Howdy, y'all, and welcome to The Making Our Way podcast, where we take a deep dive into the projects and creative process of our fellow makers. I'm Dean DePlanis, and I'm excited to join you for this episode, along with my co-host, Christy from Twisted Twine and Austin of High Caliber Craftsman. Hey, guys, how's everybody been? Hey, hey. So, Austin, what you been up to this past week? Uh, So this week I'm working on um, a new YouTube video and I decided that I'm going to shoot it a little bit different. I'm making um, a scribe, a carbide tipped uh, metal scribe, or Mm -hmm. basically you can scribe anything with it. that's softer than carbide, which is just about everything on earth. Um, But I'm doing the YouTube video a little bit different. Um, I'm setting it up like this is how I would bring a product to market. So um, I'm going through, I'm showing all of the different versions that I'm making as I make them better and better, or just, you know, more unique or, or whatever, however you want to call yeah. it. Um, and I kept, so like w- one of them, I cut the, a little bit long, too long. And then after, and then I'd realized the taper wasn't the right size, or I realized that I wanted a half inch shorter. So every piece that I cut off, I kept, and I'm going to actually have them on the table and discuss like each step that I changed, you know, so it'd be like version one, version two, version three, all the way until I get to version final product ready for release, you know, for sale. And, um, I've never really done a video like that, but I just thought how many times do people want to see me make an ice pick or a scribe or something like that? Yeah. Let's no. do something that's a little bit different. I do like that. I saw you also made some metal gourds. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah. So we, I think we talked about it last week, but, um, yeah, I made the horseshoe pumpkins. That video is doing terrible, <laughs> which I kind of knew it was going to, <laughs> but, but believe it or not, like my Facebook, my, per, like my personal Facebook has been blown up with all these people wanting them. And I'm like, I don't think you guys are going to be willing to pay the price that these things require. Um, I think the shipping would be kind of a sizable amount too. I'm guessing. Oh, I'm, yeah, it would be a, for sure a, a large flat rate, but, um, so it's my personal Facebook, which is like all my people that I know in town. So that's, that's where most of them are inquiring. Actually, a lot of them are from my dad's school. So I could, you know, put them in the back. Teachers. of Pepe. So yeah. when we watched the video, I shit all over it, how stupid it was. And then Kristen goes, I don't know if I, we decorated outside, that'd be a pretty cool decoration. And I just gave her that. No, you're on my side in this one. They're stupid. <laughs> do not compliment them. I'll just send her an invoice. Get it in the mail. <laughs> yeah. I'd, so wrap that up. And then, um, so yeah, I'm going to do the scribes and, and see how it goes. But uh, what have you been up to? Well, when I did the uh, maker pipe video, I was like, okay, let me see if I can find enough stuff to try to do as many videos as I can, just to get more used to the software. Cause I use Adobe premiere and it is robust and complicated and slows your computer down. And so I did that video. And then last weekend we made the uh, yard Halloween tombstones. And so I went ahead and made a video for that too. And I'm just trying to, I'm not trying to make the perfect video. I'm just trying to learn some of the smaller points, just like, you know, filming different aspect ratios are far enough out to where you can do an Instagram reel as well as a YouTube video. You know, so that's something I'm trying to figure out. I'm going to try to, if I have enough time this week, do a video for my um, knife that we made at Austin camp. So I'm pretty sure I've got enough footage to do a cleaver video for mine, which I've never even posted any pictures of it because I was wanting to do the cleaver video. And so I might try to do one more of those real quick. And then I'm going to put some effort into a video for my Christmas tree for the ornaments. So I I got that all designed up. It's actually laying on my workbench back there. Uh, I spent all last weekend sweeping, cleaning, getting everything together, lumber on the wall. So I've got a clean slate right now and I'm I'm getting ready for that Christmas rush. Cool. So I think uh, the ones with actually a whole lot going on recently are Christy and we are joined by her better half, Marvin. <laughs> hey, hey, as she says. <laughs> so uh, guys, what have y'all been up to? Well, we're finally relaxing, I think now after, um, I don't know, a month or two of whirlwind everything. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the wedding is behind us as wonderful as it was and as, as much fun as getting all the family together. Um, it's, 
it's good to settle back in to try to reestablish a routine. We know we flew to New England to do a road trip. Yeah. <laughs> and just, I don't think we could have planned a better honeymoon. Right. It did turn out really well. And we, we started with the, you know, the Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, Vermont, the whole, you know, the whole road trip there. And then we wrapped it up with makers camp um, on the tail end of that. And it really, it was, I mean, I had a great time two years ago when I went, but it really was nice. It was, it was really enjoyable this time too. I was glad to get to introduce Marvin to a lot of the friends that I met two years ago. Um, and then meet a lot of new people again, um, and try some new things They They continue to have more and more activities there. So the first thing I want to know is how did you go from days full of honeymoon, whining, dining, and lobster rolling <laughs> to ham sandwiches and MREs at maker camp. <laughs> yeah, that was a big, that was a big step difference. Yeah. We pulled out of Portland, Maine and Christy goes, you know, I think I'm about lobstered out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. We were eating lobster every day at, or twice a day. I mean, we really were enjoying um, the the Northeast cuisine that we don't have fresh here. Because, I mean, like even one day we went out on a lobster boat, caught lobsters, literally brought them off the boat next door to the little restaurant, mm -hmm. handed them over. They cooked them. We know that they cooked them because the tag that we had on them with the little mark that was on them was on was mm -hmm. on the lobsters on our plates. And um, so, yeah, that's a good point. The food was a and accommodations in general was a big yeah. difference. Well, let's not focus on the negative. Uh, why don't we do what <laughs> is not the mission statement of this podcast? Let's talk about the people. Um, who were some of the people that uh, you saw that you already knew and were excited to see again? Let's start with that one. Well, fr Friday, as we walked around, we were like, well, let's just go check out each and see where everybody is. As we walked up to a presenter and they're talking to the group that's saying, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Christy, congratulations. <laughs> Every one of them congratulated Christy on <laughs> the way. Funny. Oh, and you're the husband. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's no, awesome. it was great. Yeah, it was it was really um, it was really enjoyable and appreciated um, that so many people congratulated us on, on our wedding. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we saw, of course, you know, Jimmy and Brett and. You know, I mean, just the whole the whole northeast of makers, um, you know, Derek from Malden, Chris, just and Chris, you know, just so many of all of them up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Marvin didn't realize he was married to an Instagram influencer <laughs> until he got there. Everybody there knew Christy. I did. I was I was blown away. It's a small community, I figure. Yeah. You know, it's a small community. It doesn't take much to get to know each other. He was wondering why she packed all those yoga pants for a uh, maker camp. He couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, know. yoga pants and uh, and still toe boots is quite a combination. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So who are some of the new people that you met that um, left an impression on you? Uh, actually, I met a couple of the other podcasters in the community. Actually, I... Two years ago, I had met Keith um, from Blackthorn Concepts, and but now he's doing uh, the the uh, Working Hands podcast. So um, I had met him before two years ago, but now they had the podcast, and he actually um, it coordinated and was involved with the uh, Maker Swap, which I know we could talk about a little bit later. But he was super busy this week that weekend working with that. And then I also met, um, Tiff from night carver design oh, yeah. and they do the behind the maker podcast. So I was, I was real tickled to get to, um, see other podcasts. And of course, you know, Keith decent has a podcast, but I'd met him two years ago and, and Jimmy and a lot of them folks too. But, um, but I was glad to get to, you know, see some new people in the, in the podcast world. Well, the gentleman that, uh, you got, your half of the uh, maker swap that made those gauges R three unlimited. Uh huh. Yep. Uh, super super nice nice guy. Yeah. So did you steal some good ideas and some trade secrets from all these podcast people? 
Well, we didn't have a whole lot of time to chat. Um, the, the one thing I did notice, and I know we've talked about in here, we had planned on before, but we didn't get it together. Uh, the Working Hands podcast, those guys had their T-shirts on with a big old name on the back of their shirt. And I'm like, yeah, we did not get our ducks in a row in time to be able to have stickers or um, or T-shirts or anything. But I was like, they they were on it. A lot of the makers that we ran into really Hey, great compliments to, you know, this podcast. They like the format because it's just not two or three people just sitting around shooting the, you know, the bull or, or whatever it is. And even though th there's a lot of those out there, several people like the layout. I mean, they specifically said, I love the way y'all do your layout. Yeah. So I, I bet I heard that 10, 12 times. Easy. Yeah. Well, that, if only that, they I listened. Was, yeah, I was I was tickled to hear that. Um, I will say this and, uh, and I'll leave this in. I looked at the numbers today. I was telling a lady at work about the podcast uh, and I looked at the numbers and they're getting back to where they were. Every episode's yes. back over that threshold that we like to see. And um, even the one that was recently released is doing okay. And so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's good. But as far as like projects and stuff, um, you know, there was everything from welding, blacksmithing, um, pewter casting, timber framing, um, uh, power yeah. carving, turning, mm -hmm. you know, there really was every, oh, CNC stuff, blade stuff, everything. Well, let's talk about the ones y'all did. Did y'all do the pewter one? Yes. yes. That, I want to hear about that one. Yeah. We consider that to be, what did we call that? It was like the, the surprise, uh, event that the thing we were, you know, most surprised by that, that we enjoyed. And as the, as maker camp moved on more and more people were like, you got to go do the Peter. You got to go do the Peter. We went back and did it again, Yeah. but more and more people got excited about it because once they saw the potential of it, they were like, Oh, cool. And you get instant gratification yeah. out of it. The ones that were putting it on were um, spark workshop I had to look them up. I was not familiar with them at all, but they were the one that put it on. So talk to us about like that process. Like, so normal in normal casting, you either use like sand or something like that. And I couldn't tell what kind it was of cuttlefish, cuttlefish bone. Where, cuttlefish fuck, bone. where do you yeah. buy cuttlefish bone? I don't, what aisle is that on at Walmart? Oh, on Amazon? Amazon, yeah. So we have the little cuttlefish bone and they had like a, uh, a piece of sand. I don't know what a cuttlefish what is either. Is cut, a cuttle, it's like, like a fish okay, bone? A cuttlefish is in the squid family. Yeah, yeah so okay, like, what a cuttlefish oh, okay, is, but yeah, they have yeah, yeah. bones. That, yeah, so like if you cup your hand, if you cup your hand and you fill it full of 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 a solid piece of something, <laughs> a solid bone, that's the shape of it. It's like cupped it's on like one a side. Loofah almost. Yeah. And then they had the, a sandpaper down. So you smoothed out one side flat. So, and it, it comes off really easy. It's like, um, it's got a weird texture. Mm. So you can easily sand it off and you can easily use any type of tools to carve it out. They had stuff you could press into it to do an impression. They had clay. Uh, detailed tools is essentially what we ended up using. And uh, Christy did a hardwood tree and I ended up doing a, uh, an evergreen and they turned out great. Yeah. Uh, we were like, this is a perfect project for kids, nieces and nephews. With supervision. With supervision. Molten, yeah, molten metal. 500 degree molten, <laughs> molten metal. But, uh, you know, it's something they can do in 10 minutes and then they got instant gratification because you're done. Yeah. So they, once the cat, once you did your carving, they put the cuttlefish bone up against a piece of just a piece of wood. Poplars, what they preferred. Yeah. And then they taped mm -hmm. it up tight, but the top had an extra large hole. So they had the, the pewter melted and then they slowly poured the pewter into that little hole. The holes in the wood or the bone? The bone. The bone. So it filled in all the cavities, all of the um, all of the carved out section of the bone. And then you let it set there for, I don't know, five minutes or so till it cools and then open it up and then pull out the deal. Um, and then you got your piece and then they they dropped it in some acid yes. and then neutralized it in uh, some baking soda. And that gave it a little bit of patina, a little darkness. Mm -hmm. 
Um, you don't have to do that, but it also gets those little pieces of that cuttlefish bone out of crevices. Yeah. And, uh, you know, really neat if you want to make ornaments or figurines, because you can take a metal figurine and press it into that cuttlefish and do an impression that way. Yeah, they and they also had some um, casting, like the little military soldiers, like mm -hmm. the if you're going to do a. They did have some aluminum molds to do figurines. Yeah. With. So they were, you know, pouring those two and, and had a bunch of little bunch of little guys had a little Abe Lincoln sitting out just different. See, Thanks. Austin would have done one of the figurines and then gone home and reenacted the scene from Patriot whenever they melt those back down to make shot for his rifle. The, oh, I thought you were talking about where he oh. hacks up those dudes from. Well, we got to learn to make kid. tomahawks first. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. I've got all the stuff to do leg casting with. So Christy and I are like, yeah, we can do this. We all we got to do is order the cuttlefish bone off. Yeah. Off of Amazon. So, so yeah, awesome. I was going to ask you what, what temperature does, does lead? I don't even know off the top. What, Lead's low 600s, pewter's is high 500s. Oh, so you're um, right in there. So, right. You know, uh, you could do 10. It's mm, right there with them if you wanted to do 10. Uh, they were getting their metals from a casting supply house out of New York, uh, or you could order it from Roto Metals out of uh, California. They, they ship two pounds of whatever you want anywhere. Yeah. So that was, that really was kind of like the surprise activity that we, um, mm -hmm. that we both enjoyed doing the, um, and then of course we did welding again. I hadn't done it since two years ago when I was there and, uh, Richard from 42 fab in Oklahoma city, uh, Lincoln electric had it all set up. Unfortunately, a couple of their machines went down. So he went from using six to only having four. So he got backed up a little bit, but it was still, he had some great stuff to be able to, oh, yeah. to be able to weld. So what was the teaching method on that? Did you get like some verbal instruction and then handed a torch or were you handed a torch and then. He pretty much asked, what's your comfort level? And this was pretty much the case at pretty much all of the hands-on type thing. What's your comfort level? And then if you need, if you're like, okay, you need to baby me through this entire process or just give me the highlights, which is what we did. We were like, okay, give us the highlights and then we'll holler if we need you. And so he would kind of monitor everybody that was working on projects. And he'd step in and do some hands-on if he saw you needed that because the welding stations they had, had the view, had the uh, tinted screens around them. So he could walk up and just watch what you were doing without having to get over your shoulder. Oh, that's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. I was wondering, I'm like, man, how are they going to keep, these machines alive because so wel welders are, are like compressor. They have duty cycles and a duty cycle, you know, you can only be running it for so long before it needs a certain amount of cool down. And I was like, with like, I think there was 300 people. I'm like, those things are going to get burnt up in no time. You well, know, that's if just what happened to the two that, uh, that burned out, they took the, the welding in and hung it on the ground, <laughs> on the ground piece. So oh, no. it just, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But they, you know, there were some breaks. Um, Richard took some break, which he needed to. I mean, everybody that was demonstrating needed to take some breaks because otherwise everybody could have stayed busy the entire time. Because like you guys had the instance there at Austin camp, too. You know, it's a room full of makers. We want to do stuff. You know what right. I mean? We want to um, we want to try new stuff. So they definitely um, were, were keeping hopping, especially uh, Richard, because he was the only one that was coordinating um, with the welding. And then the other area that was really busy, which was the case last time too, was blacksmithing. As you guys know very well, people love to, to smash hot metal because we don't get to do that very often. So, um, you know, Brett McAfee and, um, uh, Steve Pellegrino, they 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 worked their tails off, and there was another gentleman. gentleman I who, forgot I, his I name. Apologize, I can't remember his name. Who owned all the forges? And he had those fifty-five pound anvils you buy off Amazon. He had ten of them there on tripods, and they serve perfectly. And mm -hmm. you know, he said he's been using them for years, and they've stood up to the abuse of pure amateurs. Yeah. So I, I y'all know that I'm real big on that. You don't need to compare two things. But I will say when I saw y'all on those anvils, it made me truly appreciate the setup we had at high caliber camp because 
like I heard, I saw you hammering and you can hear the ring and you can, and I'm like, boy, he was right. I mean, all the stuff Austin did to those anvils made for an enjoyable experience. Um, either setup is, would be better than anything I have. So it's great. But, um, that was one thing when I saw, I was like, okay, yeah, you can't have 10 professional setups for all these people. Um, but that's cool to know you can get that off Amazon. So one question I had about it. So I know like Cliff, uh, Dufton, or actually, mm-hmm. I don't think he was there, but, uh, the modern forge guys mm-hmm. did, uh, from online looking at it, you know, mm-hmm. it looked like there was like the participants area and then they were doing maybe like demonstrations or something. Was that what was? Uh-huh. Okay. I wasn't sure because yeah. it didn't look like people were going in there with those guys. No, um, they were pure demonstration. Uh, the coal, coal forge. forge guys were making hammerheads, uh, doing drifting and, uh, they had two presses set up. And then the the other gentlemen on the other end were making chef knives. Yeah. Uh, and they were answering a lot of questions and kind of demonstrating mm-hmm. and showing um, how to do things. But yeah, they definitely had the, the hands-on teaching section, very separate from, um, from just the solely demonstration section. What would you say the ratio was of hands-on experiences to just strictly demonstration? Um, 60, 40, 60% hands-on. Yeah. And really you didn't have time to do more than what you did. Oh yeah. Yeah. You pretty much did everything you could do hands-on. Yeah. We enjoyed a lot of just chit chat time, you know, yeah. getting connected with folks again, um, being able to, you know, just catch up or just sit around and relax. Mm-hmm. Um, y- you know, there was, Patty from um, from Brooklyn there, she had her sewing machine set up in the pavilion area. So just off and on throughout the weekend, people she had fabric set up and just, you know, people were making pouches there. And then um, Tiff from Night Carver, she had some carving tools and some painting. And so she had that set up, too. So it was very it was very open. I remember two years ago when Jimmy had made an announcement at the end of two years ago, he's like, I want people just to bring their thing, bring their stuff, bring their teaching um, and pick a picnic table or a chair or whatever and set up your stuff and let's, let's share. And that's really what it was. It was a Mm -hmm. lot of sharing of just ideas. Uh, There was some leather work set up in one area too. Um, Jimmy's sister set up her, uh, her jewelry. She Mm -hmm. just laid it all out on the table and said, anybody got any questions, go for it. Yeah. And I sat down, made Christy a set of earrings uh, and really enjoyed it. That's something I've always wanted to do. What was that like doing the jewelry making? It was a lot of fun. She had it, like I said, two years ago. Real quick, also another word I can't say, jewelry. But uh, oh. <laughs> go ahead. Or go ahead. You, I didn't actually the, do it, Marvin. Uh, you know, she had everything you could, she had everything from beads. She had a lot of copper sheet there. She had punches set up to do that. Uh, I just took some copper sheet and cut it with 10 snips and did a little uh, leaf, uh, willow leaf shape. And uh Got the peen hammer and the and the form and peened it into into shape and uh, used her little punch to put the holes in and she had the little hooks the pre made hooks and she showed me how to unroll it and make it a little bigger and and ten minutes later said earrings were done that's yeah. awesome and then one of the highlights I think last time this time to everybody is Mark Adams photography oh yeah oh Man. wow yeah. It is just, he's just so easy to work with. And he's just snapping pictures as you're, as different groups of people, like by Sunday, it's just a combination of anybody under the sun. Um, Just, you know, friends wanting to, new friends, old friends, just want to take pictures together and to have that extra little keepsake, um, you know, it's just He didn't, he didn't sit down (laughs) the whole time. In fact, he had, the CNC guys made him a sign that says, be back in 15. I have to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The pictures everybody was posting. I mean, it's like a, a business headshot or something like he yeah. just does such a great job of capturing. That was, that was really nice. Yeah. And they did have CNC, the shaper. That was one tool that I have seen people kind of talk about, but I never quite understood how it actually worked. 
if you are a sign maker or like the guy that was there slabbing, doing slabs that does the, makes the Alaskan mills, he said, that's perfect for me because I can't take a 10 foot long timber and yep. put it on a CNC. My only other choice is to, to hand route. And as you know, in timber, it can grab some mangrove, boom, you're ruined. Mm -hmm. Where that shaper takes that CNC and molds it in with the, uh, the hand router and takes the error out of it. Yeah, it was really, really impressive. Not something I could see that we would ever need, but for the right niche, for the right situation, that is a beautiful tool. Your slab maker, a sign maker, a timber framer, things like that. Definitely. Yeah. John has one in the Discord and he talks about how much oh, he likes yeah. it too. Yeah. yeah. And it was funny. I saw one of y'all post a demo of the shaper up there. And then two days later in my Houston makers group, somebody asked, anybody have a shaper I can rent? And so it seems like that may be one of the next things to really take off. Because that's a $3,000 investment for the cool. basic setup. But it's self-contained. You don't have to hook it up to a laptop or a CPU. It is truly self-contained. You take your files, from, put it on a flash drive, plug it in, or you can draw something, or you can even print out a template and set it down and it will scan that template and that you just print it off of inkjet printer and take it from there. Yeah. One of the things they used it for was the timber framing because back in July, um, Justin Dietrich, who we've, we've had on the podcast here, he he really was um, spearheading the building of the timber framing. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I've always been impressed with Justin. He's a super, super nice guy just genuine, truly a genuine person, but his ability to coordinate and teach anybody. Now, granted, this is, this is makers. So there are people who have a tendency to be able to learn and be able to do, but there were people flowing in and out of that group all weekend, helping with things. And they managed to get that sucker set up and looking perfect. I mean, they didn't have like three times the material sitting on the side because just in case something gets janky, that wasn't how it was. They I mean, one extra timber. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, they were drilling holes, they were cutting things. They were, they were really finishing it up they did the bulk yeah. of it in this during the summer, but they really finished it up there, but they used the shaper to engrave on the main beam Catskill mountain maker camp. So that was an ideal situation for, um, mm -hmm. for both demonstrating the shaper and then uh, Jess Crow was there also doing the um, epoxy because Total Boat was there uh, everywhere. And um, that looked really nice. And then that evening, um, they uh, dedicated it to Aaron Mattia, who, of course, was Jimmy's assistant and a really, really impactful person in the community. And so that was really it was really a, a sweet Saturday evening kind of community connection as we're all standing around um, this new structure and, and Jimmy did a little speech and a couple other guys talked and, and it was just really a nice um, community pulled together kind of, kind of time for mm -hmm. that type of activity at that type of event. Yeah. That was both a really interesting maker event. Like I would have loved to get a few wax on that um, on those beams and those pins. And then I saw they did the dedication and, and that made it a little extra special. Um, and they were very tolerant of people say coming up going, Hey, can I make a cut? Can I drill a hole? And, you know, and they were like, hang tight on the side. And when we get to that point, we'll call you in. And they did. Uh, they might say, you know, we'll give you a roller and you can put linseed oil, you know, yeah. <laughs> they were soaking those beams in linseed oil and, uh, but yeah, they were very tolerant of the people coming up saying, can I help that had not received any hands on. Well, so another event I was super curious about is I saw lots of posting on the swap, the oh, maker yeah. swap. Mm -hmm. What was that about? What was the ins and outs? What were the guidelines and, and how did the whole thing go down? Well, the guidelines were there weren't, weren't really a whole lot of guidelines, which I think was OK. Um, the only real suggestion was to keep it within eight by eight by eight inches, just because a lot of us flew, you know, so wanted to keep it within a reasonable size transportation. But other than that, there really wasn't um, there really wasn't anything 
said what you should or shouldn't bring. And there really was a huge variety of things. Oh, yeah. Somebody brought two bottles of wine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people did sculpture. Some people did their their specialty. Uh, it was, I mean, yeah. You name hatchet, it. it was knives, hatchets, mm. knives. What I got was um, gauges. And I'm not going to be able to describe this properly, but it on the different angles of the um, of the little piece, there was like one eighth inch tall, um, one eighth inch size dot, one eighth inch size inseam. And then the next gauge was, you know, three eighths or whatever. So there were essentially machinist gauges. Right. Uh, four sided machinist gauges and hole gauges, but they were on uh, clear or transparent acrylic. Uh, and he made a stand for him mm -hmm. and everything. So really, R3 did a great job on that. Yeah. And so how do you end up with that item? And what okay. happened to your item? Yeah. So when we get there, you hand it in and they give you a, a little, like a little, um, you know, just a a ticket, ticket, like yeah. a raffle ticket. So they take your piece and they put it in the box or whatever. And there was like 130-ish, I think, pieces. Um, so what I brought was the maker camp logo. I used four different types of wood cut in the shape of the saw blade. And then I used a fifth piece type of wood, um, as the little teepee tent to make the, um, to make the maker camp logo. The teepee was made out of cherry, which was from Jimmy Dress's farm in 2019. And then the other four pieces were sycamore um, ash, walnut, and then barnwood oak. The sycamore was also from Jimmy's, but the ash, walnut, and barnwood were all from the form from the farm. And so I typed up a little card to go with that to kind of explain, you know, the connection for me and to New York and to the Maker Camp um, logo. So that's what I brought. And there were some decorative things. There were some functional things. Um, you know, some people brought what they normally do. Some people brought stuff that was, a, you know, a different area that they wanted to experiment in. I know I saw some uh, Maker Camp earrings. It really, really was a huge variety. But so anyway, we bring it in, hand it over, get our card and then on Sunday, our little ticket. And then on Sunday, um, they've got all of the tickets in a in a bag and then they're drawing out the card, reading off the last four digits. And then another person has picked up the prize for what that ticket gets that prize. So then you go up and get it. And then they pull out, a, they pick up another prize. They pull out another little number ticket and whoever has that ticket gets that prize. So they just went through, you know, and the gentleman that we had dinner with the night before happened to be the one that got my, mm -hmm. um, what I made. So that was kind of nice. He came over and we'd filled out little sheets of paper, what our name is and, and our handle and our information. So he came over and, and thanked me for it. And um, so I thought that was kind of nice too. What was crazy about him is he's really doesn't consider himself a maker. He's a robotics expert and he was there to study the shaper, but he saw that there was a giveaway. So he made something and put it in there. Oh, yeah, wow. he's from, and he's from St. Louis, yeah. so he's really not that far away um, from us. So I thought that was kind of kind of fun. Were there any items you saw that you were like, oh, wow, I'd love to have gotten my hands on that. Like that was Everything. something impressive. Everything. There was there was not a thing on that on that table that I wouldn't have loved to have taken home with me. There were Damascus knives. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, what's his name? The, uh, the does Matt, the, the um, axe heads or the axes with all the tattoos. It does. Oh, uh, Roy, Roy, Roy from the axe and iron podcast, vintage axe works. He had one of his small one of hatchets. His hatchets that had an epoxy and ash handle on it. It was just, it was beautiful. gorgeous. And then Matt um, Stagmer from um, the That Works duo, uh, he made a Damascus flathead screwdriver. Oh, wow. I mean, like forged, mm. forged the metal and then put the scales on it. I mean, it was out of this world. And then uh, Stephanie received. A um, ukulele. Yes. Oh, ukulele. Yes. Yeah. Bill, who I'd met from Jimmy's class two years ago, had made that. And it was Oh my gosh, it was over the top. 
So nice. But you could tell some folks were were laser guys. Some folks were 3D printers. It was Mm -hmm. everything. So I was kind of curious too. I mean, this isn't, you know, in a major city. How did you get there? What was parking? What was lodging? What was meals? What was nightlife? You know, what was that experience like? The uh, East Durham, New York, which is in the area where Jimmy's is, is about an hour away from Albany. So most of us that all flew in, flew into Albany and then rented a car. Um, And so it is a beautiful drive because the leaves are all turning and it really is a very picturesque trip out there. And it's just really out of the way because the resort that we're on is um, it's an older resort. It's an old family resort, third generation working it now. Um, so there's different kinds of like cabins. And then a lot of folks, uh, um, camped, they either had a camper or tents or whatever. Yeah, it's like 350 acres and there's a big open meadow in the middle that is really set up for events like this because they have power run underground, uh, that, has exit points for they can set up tents and so forth. But, you know, some of the lodgings like a hotel, some of it's like a motel, some of them are cabins and a ton of camper hookups. They were scattered all over the hills. Yeah. So they they do bike rallies and things like that there as well. Yeah. So it was convenient as far as parking was just right there. Um, Walking around, you know, they had the porta potties set up but thankfully our room was super close so we just walked back to the room every time um but it really is set up for that type of environment and they had the the tents they had like not circus tents but like big wedding tents would be what i'd consider them kind of around the perimeter of the big open area um so it worked out really well to kind of spread everybody out along that line um, and then we had the gold pass. There's different levels, but the gold pass included housing on site and then also meals. So breakfast and supper were in the dining hall and they brought the it wasn't like two years ago. It was buffet. But this year you sat down and they said, OK, chicken or beef or, you know, it was, you know, chicken and this and this or beef and this and this. Yeah, New York COVID rules wouldn't let them do a buffet. So they had to serve you. Right. Which worked out, worked out easy. But you sat down with any number of people, you know, each night or each Mm -hmm. breakfast, we're sitting down with different people. So it's really a good chance to really kind of network and get to know other folks randomly just based on where you sat down um, and had a meal. I like to pretend it was it was kind of like where Dirty Dancing was shot. You are. Yes, (laughs) that is. Yes, Not too far away from there. Yes. Envision yeah. that yeah. later so, in life. So yes. that that big meadow in the middle is probably forty acre field. It's pretty good time, and uh, that's where they built the dinosaur. Oh, in the middle of that for the the Godzilla bonfire, as I called it. Tell and us about that. Yeah, it was a thirty foot tall uh, T Rex they built with his uh, head cocked back and his mouth open, and they built that over the three days. And uh, they had a lumber mill come bring out just a bunch of scrap slabs. So they filled it up full of uh, uh, kindling and they lit it about three quarters of the way up. So the fire started in the head and burned its way down. Uh, But man, it wasn't wasn't even five minutes and the flames were coming out of his mouth like Godzilla. Yeah, the they had a pulley system and. The three folks that were that were kind of spearheaded it were Wesley Treat, um, Michael Alm, and JT Woodworks. I'm 99% sure is um, is who that was, but it had a pulley system on the inside, and we're going to hopefully have Wes um, on the podcast in the next couple of weeks to talk about it more specifically because I have lots of questions on how that worked. But there was a pulley system, so they they led the fire up so that it didn't burn out the base. It looked like they had a great big, about four foot segment of rope, about two inches around. They had unfrayed and they saturated that with kerosene and pulled it up with an eye bolt up to the top and lit it from the top. Yeah. So I'm really curious to get a little more of the details um, from Wes, but it was, it really was beautifully done. 
So what, um, what, what thing that you did? I know you said the pewter casting was one of your favorites that you're thinking about doing. What was, if, if you were to pick one thing, one, you know, one each that you would be like, Oh, we're going to buy the stuff and do this at the house. What, what would it be besides the pewter? The forging. I, that's easy. Uh, Sunday night, you'd be so proud of Christy. <laughs> I was, I was filming. I had a cocktail. So I'm like, I don't need to be slinging a hammer. So I'm filming her. And there's these two big burly guys on either side of her. Tap, tap, tap. Here's Christy. Wham, wham. Singing that, <laughs> singing that thing. And everybody was like, look at her go. Look at her go. I think it's because I'm impatient. I think that's really, I think that's really what it boils down to when it comes to that. Cause Brett comes over and he's like, you can slow down. It, it's okay. You can slow down. Cause I'm just, I'm just impatient. She had that three pound hammer over her head. Wham, wham. And just moving it. But uh, I was a I was really amazed and pleased with the number of women that stepped in and just rolled up their sleeves and did it everywhere. Yeah. And it it was it was good to see that they weren't feeling alienated in all the projects. It was a very welcoming community. Yeah. And because a couple of years ago, when I went the first time, there was only a handful of us women there. And actually, um, I was actually asked who's, whose wife I was two years ago. And um, but this year, it, there really were there really were a lot of a lot of lady makers and also um, spouses on both sides, like men spouses to makers and lady um, spouses to makers. So it really has be, had become more of a bring your spouse or your significant other with you, not just solely, you know, a hundred percent maker. So um, we were, we were really tickled with that. And the funny thing was the last evening we were sitting around watching the other um people on their anvils and Jimmy and Taylor were sitting there and a lot of people were coming by just thanking him so much for what, I mean, he, he, he just brings the community together so beautifully. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was just kind of entertaining everybody coming by. Just thank you. Thank you for putting this on. Thank you for, you know, supporting the community, giving us direction, giving us, you know, just that extra, that extra connection. And there was one guy that came by and he's like, I made, I got to work with metal this weekend. I've never been able to do. And I made my wife this rose and I, and I uh, did this for my wife and I'm going to totally get laid when I get home. Thank you for that. <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, you need to name the baby after Jimmy. And he's like, Oh no, no, I got two already. I don't need any more. Mm -hmm. But it was just he was pumped. He was he was so <laughs> excited and he was excited to go home and show his wife the stuff he made. He was one of the guys on one side of Christie and he had welded a rose. And so he was he was trying to to form it over there. And we, we almost had some heartbreak. He pulled it out in a big it looked like the core of it just fell out. What it was is a piece of coal had gotten stuck to it and, and fell out to everybody around and just went. Oh. Yeah, it was just a, such a good community activity all around. Brett came and saved the day. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we need to start closing up. So maybe just uh, who was the one person you met that was just left the biggest impression on you that you didn't know before last weekend? Oh, gosh, that's a tough one. Um, the The people that I the folks in our Moses group, um, Jacob and Jade, I was so glad to get to spend so much time with them. Uh, Stephanie and Dave and, and Dave Bauer. Um, I, I, as much as I enjoyed meeting so many new people, um, I was just, I was just tickled to be able to, uh, really get to know, that fo those folks in our discord and our, in our Moses group where we've been chatting for a year and a half, but getting to meet them in person and make that, you know, that extra connection. It really, um, I think that was probably one of, one of my favorite parts of, of the whole weekend. It sounds like a great, great event. So the question that we always ask everybody else, we'll ask you guys, it, but we're going to change it. So the three tools, if next year, let's say you're driving there. What three tools would you take? A good camera. Yeah. You know, with lots of memory cards. Right. That's a good choice. Don't worry about taking your cell phone because cell phone reception was spotty at best. <laughs> so I don't need to take my cell phone. 
Changing plenty of changes of clothes. Yes, we <laughs> have. Because <laughs> when you bust your ass in a mud puddle. Yes. <laughs> you um, got to change. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, I took my stickers to swap, but I just yeah. got so distracted with everything. I didn't hardly hand out just a few. Definitely stickers. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wish um, I wish I would have done a better job at that. So I don't know that I would necessarily take tools, um, but as far as like just extra things, that would be uh, those would be my I think those would be our extra things. Or, you know, or and to, to throw another one in to take Jimmy's advice and just bring what you do and set up on a picnic table one day and invite others in. If you have the ability to take it there, if you're in driving distance. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, stickers, and I'd mentioned earlier about the T-shirts for some of the other podcasts, um, I am very happy to announce that we have a new logo, which should be popping up anytime. I do want to thank um, Dave Bauer, uh, Marianne from Creative Ward, and uh, Jacob from Other Dog Designs, because they sent us some great some logo ones, ideas. Yeah, yeah some really, really great logo ideas. But we ended up going with Nick, Nick Webb from Crealities. So um, that logo is going to be showing up uh, on the uh, Instagram and around. We've changed the colors, everything. So uh, we shouldn't be looking like the COVID virus anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you brought up those other people because I know uh, Dave Bauer sent in a few that I was like, oh, wow, that's a pretty good idea. But um, yeah, in the end, when Nick sent Nick sent a few in, but when he sent this last one in, it was like, oh my God, that's it. I can see that one on stickers. I can see that one on hats. I can see it on the websites. I I really like it. So we won't look like COVID anymore, but hopefully we're just as infectious and (laughs) contagious to people wanting to listen. Well, and that's why we went with the uh, the Heinz 57 style was so that, you know, we want to spread around just like uh, people spread it all over their hot dogs and hamburgers. There we go. Yes, that's that's it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move into the last segment here? Um, was you know, of, I was trying to give everybody your pickle. Yeah, <laughs> I was laughing earlier because y'all <laughs> talked about how everybody likes the format of the podcast, how it's not just us hanging around talking about whatever. And this episode is just us hanging around talking about whatever. But yeah. um, I think y'all were some really good guests. And as we move off from the guest, uh, we go into our Q3 and I had said this time working with others in your space might be a good topic because y'all just left an area where there were people all over on top of each other. Uh, I have this small workshop and I've had a few people in here recently. So I've got some feelings on that. And I know Austin just got invaded. So I'm sure he's got some feelings on that. So um, Austin, why don't we start with you? Um, you know, what's your, uh, what's your feelings whenever you know, you have other people in your space? Well, so like, having the event here was a different, I just gave up. I just gave up. Like, I was just like, ah, whatever, whatever happens, happen. Like, you know, once you get past a certain level, it's like, I will just deal with it at the end. But I'm like, I'm super uh, control. I don't know. Controlling. I'm an asshole well, about it. I, that's okay. It's your space. You know what I mean? It's yeah. your space. It's your comfort zone. So I don't think there's, I don't think we should apologize for having our comfort level. You know, it's funny in my shop, it's smaller, but for one person, it's great. Like the workflow for one person is great, but I have this one doorway that you have to go through and I have my metal lathe sticks out halfway. And then I've got fans and my sander and I left a gap for one body. And when you have two people trying to pass back and forth, it gets, I get frustrated. I'm like, I can't, you're making my shop less than what it really is with your big ass. Like just me, this place is fine. Me and you, this place is not fine. And I don't like that feeling. Yeah. I just can't stand when somebody moves my tools. Like if you're going to use it, cool. Put it right back. Like, even if it's, even if it's where you think it doesn't belong, it means I was using it there. You know what I mean? So like, I, I I just, when my, when a tool goes missing, it drives me crazy. Cause then I'm like, I also, I have this thing where I go snow, like I'm snow blind. Like it could be right there, but because it wasn't where it was, where I left it, I, I will never find it. So I'm just walking around and I'm like getting hot and I'm like, where the F is this? Oh, Oh, it's right here. <laughs> it's like six inches. Two away inches from yeah. Two yeah. inches. Right from where where I sit it down beside me. Safety was a big issue with, uh, at camp 
with the crowds. Um, right. I had to step in over it at uh, the pin turning. Uh, he was super busy, but here was this lady. She turned her jacket around backwards and it was drooping all over the place. And she's about to get down on a 800 RPM lathe. And I'm like, ma'am, you, you can't do this. I said, your jacket's going to get caught in that. Your face is going to be, because it's going to jerk you straight down onto that spinning wood. Oh, yeah. It, and it'll be a bad day. And she was like, well, I don't want sawdust on my sweater. I'm like, well, you've got two options. Be safe or be dirty. You can't have both. <laughs> and so she chose to get dirty. So, yeah. but, you know, we kept somebody from getting stitches in their mouth or their nose or worse. worse. Yeah, that's lays are not something to joke around with. And the forging, it was a big deal, too. And that Brett and them were having to emphasize because there was one guy that kept overheating his metal and there was a sparkler coming out and he's waving it around and he's like, dude, you got to hold it straight down then go to the anvil, you know, or go away. <laughs> yeah. Well, and part of it too, it, people are not used to being watched live. So it's one thing to be trying something new at your own shop or, or just with a buddy, but it's a whole other thing when you've got 30 people standing there staring at you. Cause that was the case, especially over in the forge. And I even felt that for myself. And maybe that's why I was just wanting to get my project done because, because I wanted to get my project done, you know, and I wanted other folks to get a chance to do, um, to do their stuff. But there was a lot of other pressure and just being super careful with so many other people around. Funny. You say, so like when we had the event uh, here, people, there's a couple of people that came up to me and they're like, I really don't want to do this with like a bunch of people watching me. I don't feel comfortable. And which I was like, okay, just kind of wait to, you know, kick, kick back to the end and then it won't matter. And uh, I guess I'm, I've done it for so, like when I was first building surfboards, they had me in, tents shaping in front of all these people like it was thousands of people and i guess it was like i just got used to it so fast but i never really i i I guess it's almost like the uh like for me it would have been like pe class like hey go do pull-ups in front of somebody i'm like yeah like i'm gonna go jam out a bunch of pull just mark me down for a zero you freaking jerk (laughs) you want me to go up there and squirm um so i think that that's kind of what it's like and so i i can totally see that how that would be stressful for some people you know having to work with all those people around them i think it's easier to have somebody in your space when you're teaching because they're doing things on your terms. But when somebody comes in and you just let them loose and they don't do it the way you would want to do it, or like you said, they're throwing tools around or no, don't, don't use my uh, battery as a hammer (laughs) to my drill, you know, stuff like that. Well, I'll be the first one to tell you that everything's a hammer. (laughs) If it's with anything that's close to me when I'm welding or drilling, it's a hammer. So but yeah, it's, uh, I think that, so I had employees in my shop with, you know, working in my, in the shop that like Dean, the shop that you came to. So we had four chairs set up around the big table and that's where everybody was kind of working. It works like that. But if you had to do a bunch of movement in a small shop, it would never, you know, it would never fly. And I was thinking about that when Marvin was talking about safety, that's one safety hazard I have in here is extension cords. Cause I do have power on every wall. So I, I tried to get that well, but there's some things like when I run my router table, I just have to run an extension cord to it. Or when I'm running my CNC, I run a 20 foot USB cable from my computer to the CNC. And it's fine when it's just me because I know where everything is. But every time I have somebody over here and they want to run something on the laser or on the CNC, and I've got that USB cord stretched out, I'm like, either they're going to kick it and pull it off the shelf. They're going to kick it. It's going to unplug and ruin the project, or they're going to face plant and hurt themselves. And it it makes me very nervous. So let me ask you, if your wife was like, Dean, I'm going to work on a project in your shop today. um, Just so you know, would you be in the shop watching or would you be like, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I guess it it would depend on the project. I, I mean, I trust her. I, I wouldn't care what whatsoever. She's done some leather stuff. She made some bows for the dogs. And basically she just would go over there and I stay over here. And when she needs something, I'm like, okay, third drawer or top cabinet on the left. Cause I'm like you, like I know where every single tool is and what drawer in my shop. 
Um, Or if I came home and she was just back here, I wouldn't really care, but she's not the kind, she's not going to crank up the bandsaw and start doing some wild shit. (laughs) It would be just some, some basic stuff or um, using a drill or something like that. Uh, I've definitely had where she's hung pictures and she knows where the drill is, where the stud finder is, where the wall anchors are. And I mean, that's kosher to me. Too bad she didn't have that stud finder before she met you. <laughs> yeah, for real. Could have saved us both some time. <laughs> so speaking of bandsaw, or speaking of bandsaw, that was one other treat of the um for I think for everybody too to see Jimmy dressed in person working that bandsaw. Cause I'm telling you what, he he is a magician on that thing to just cut out anything, letters, words. I mean, he's been doing it since he was a kid. But, and he's using the most Frankenstein bandsaw I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and, but, and it's shaking, it. and you know, it takes a forklift to move it out there. Yeah, you want to talk about yeah. safety? There was probably like a 15 foot barricade, like no one touched this no. thing. <laughs> no, you can walk, look over his shoulder. But yeah, he, Jimmy's so cool. There was a about a 10 year old kid there, and he was like, Hey, you want a sword? The kid's like, well, Yeah. So he makes him a pirate's cutlass out of a, you know, a piece of some limb that was laying there and, you know, it took him 20 minutes and it just looks, looked like a movie prop by the time he was done. Yeah. That's cool. I know that I'd be trying to take that bandsaw with me. <laughs> that's my kind of, that's the right. Side the park left and you can run off with it. Yeah. yeah. I bet you that thing's thousand, 2,500 pounds. I bet you. I would so, say, yeah. yeah, it's cast iron. Yeah. It's, you know, one of their, in horse electric motor. On <laughs> horse, Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, one other angle that was kind of unique. We talk about people in our space, but what about when you're in other people's space? Because I know when I showed up to Austin's, there was a few woodworking projects, like some bracing and stuff. And I was like, well, I'll do all these real quick. And I was so paranoid about like, make sure the screws are lined up because when you leave, He's going to point that out to every single person that walks by. Like, (laughs) look, he can't even get screws to line up. And he calls himself. And I was so focused on that. I cut this long brace. I'm like, why did I not make the brace half this size and do two of them? (laughs) All I kept thinking about were all these legacy projects like that for 10 years from now, it's going to be up. There's Dean's crooked ass screws that he did. Or, you know, look how off center that bracing is. And it, it was, it was driving me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, I don't think that sandpaper rack is going to last <laughs> 10 years. As, as somebody who can speak from experience, when Christian and I started dating, stepping into her shop, you know, you I, I had to find her comfort level in there. And then I start dragging that equipment. Hey, here's a joiner. Hey, happy <laughs> birthday. Hey, here's a bandsaw. Happy, you know, <laughs> Merry and Christmas. That, and that took a little bit for me to get used to, too, because that was my shop. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is this is my shop. So it did take um, it did take some getting used to to have to to be comfortable with it, having an in there. How long do you think that took? Months. So the bedroom was first day, and then months on the shop. <laughs> Quite comfortable in the bedroom. Yes. <laughs> hey, priorities. There are there are important things, and then there are important things. Yeah, some things you're just a natural at. Some things you got to work at. <laughs> There you go. Well, I think um, I can say, you know, we've missed you. It's been a few weeks, I think two yeah. weeks. Um, mm-hmm. We've we've run solo. And so it's nice to have the band back together, uh, even plus yeah. one. Marvin, don't get comfortable. You, this is a guest appearance. <laughs> but, uh, well, I'm about to start building a shop or we're about to start building a shop. So we yeah. got big projects. Maybe that could be a new segment is like Marvin shop update. And as y'all do the shop thing, you can come in and give us a little briefing on there what's going go. on. There you go. I just I hope we're going to have enough update. I mean, it might be it might be once a month rather than once a week because yeah, it'll fine. be a while before we've got yeah. that much progress. But yeah, well, I, I can plant this seed, uh, Christy on a bulldozer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll need photos of that for the Instagram page. Yeah, chase me around the backyard in it. I can see her now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Marvin, I really enjoyed you being on this episode with us. Can you give us? you know, where people can find you? Well, you can always call Christy and uh, she'll track me down somewhere. Or uh, I'd have a, uh, a minimalist YouTube channel, Ozark Spirit. And then that's my same logo on Instagram, Ozark Spirit. And where can we find your special rub for your, for me? Oh, that's that, that's in the kitchen. You can call me anytime the, for the Ozark Spirit season. Excellent. 
I, I enjoy it on my pork butts that I cook. So, oh, we had it on some pork butt tonight. So it was uh, quite tasty, like a uh, hot sauce. Just put that shit on anything. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for joining us. And Christy, glad you're back. Dean, I guess it was good to see you too. Yeah. I heard you. I heard you on because we make your feelings are, have betrayed you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. If you want to reach out to us or you know a maker with a fantastic project that deserves a deep dive, send us a message on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram and YouTube. I'm at Twisted Twine Woodworking. Austin is at High Caliber Craftsman. And Dean is at Dean underscore DePlantis. Have a great day. Super smooth transition. <laughs> I like, thought it was a good transition. You're just an idiot. Do it again. I don't know how to spell segue, so I had to just throw that out there.